This podcast is brought to you by Capstone Law. Capstone Law provides premium legal services to help New Zealand businesses complete deals and resolve commercial disputes. You can learn more at capstonelaw.nz. My name is Kenneth Sun. I'm a lawyer and a former software engineer. You're listening to Capstone Business Talks, a podcast about the better ways to work and to grow a profitable business. Hello and welcome to another episode of Capstone Business Talks. Um, our guest on today's episode is Justin Lim, who is the founder and CEO of Quashed. Now, Quashed is a Auckland-based tech startup uh, transforming the consumer insurance experience by enabling um, the exploring, purchasing, and managing of all insurance products on one digital platform. And uh, prior to launching Quashed, Justin worked across New Zealand and Singapore in digital and innovative roles at two of the New Zealand's top banks. In that time, Justin has worked on digitizing banking and simplifying projects to make financial services more accessible online. Justin, uh, he has a real passion for using technology and digital experiences to both simplify personal finance and to improve financial well-being. Justin, uh, he holds a MCOM in commercialization and entrepreneurship and a BA with honors in economics and Asian studies from the University of Auckland. Hey, Justin, it's uh, really good to have you on the show. Thanks so much, Kenneth. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, Justin. So uh, the first question is, um, how did why did you start Quashed? <laughs> no, that's a great question, Kenneth. Um, yeah, I think I think it was really a couple of things that um, led me to you know set out on this journey. But I think after I finished university, I really had this desire to um, one day start my own business. I think there was just something you know in it with, within me that really wanted to um, give entrepreneurship a go. Mm. Um, but I, you know. Um, as do a lot of people, you know, we, we, we end up procrastinating. So um, I ended up getting, you know, um, into the financial services kind of industry and, and, and spent um, almost seven years in banking, actually. Um, so in that time, the whole time I was going, oh, man, I should really, you know, now go take this leap and start start, start a business and start, you know, um, quashed, um, really. And, and so... Yeah, it was just, you know, a combination of both that, that desire to wanting to start something um, and also then just, um, I guess, spotting this opportunity in the market, um, you know, having spent time in financial services going, hey, I think there's a real gap here um, in terms of banking. You know, banking is, you know, we're, we're very comfortable internet banking, mobile banking, but when it came to insurance, um, I, I really spotted this gap going, hey, you know, people typically have their policies all over the place with multiple insurers because you might have your car homing contents with one provider. Um, you might have your health with another provider and life insurance and pet insurance with, you know, different providers. So I guess, you know, it was a combination of me wanting to start something and also being able to spot this gap in the, the market, um, which I thought had a place for a digital platform to kind of consolidate um, and aggregate all that information to give consumers power. So um, that's kind of, you know, what led me to starting Quashed, I guess. Yeah, um, so just for the listeners, Quashed, um, you can find them on uh, .co.nz. Um Justin, can you explain what the um, consumer experience is like? So if I were to go to Quashed and sign up, so what does that look like and, and what kind of services uh, can I get from your, from your site? 
Yeah, sure. So I think at its core, um, it was about giving customers that kind of power and transparency around the existing insurance situation. Um, because, you know, when I started Quashed, well, when, when the idea came to me, about, it was about three years ago when I bought my first home and got married and, and my wife and I came together and said, hey, we've got a bunch of insurances each, um, but we really had no clear visibility around, you know, what are we spending? What covers do we have? What, are, what do we not have? And should we be thinking about? Um, and when are the renewals coming up? And really, frankly, where are all our policies? documents because it's all spread all over the place. So as a consumer in terms of your experience coming on tennis for the first time, it would look like bringing together, dropping, essentially just dropping off all your different insurance policies and our technology actually um, picks up and reads all, all, all the information that you dropped off and it populates this pretty if I, if I may say, pretty nice looking dashboard um, that gives nice. you a, a real overview of all your insurances. And so for the first time, actually, I would say 90% of people find that, hey, I never knew this about my insurance around, you know, I've got all these different policies, you know, what am I actually covered for? How much am I spending? When is it renewing? So I guess it's quite a refreshing kind of experience for consumers going, you know, for the first time, I've got that visibility. Um, and then off the back of that, in terms of what they can experience is, um, we've actually then built upon this ability to manage all your policies in one place to then go and explore, um, you know, a couple of things really, you know, um, help you explore what policies or insurances you might be missing. Um, so we've got this basic, really simple insurance checkup where, you know, you answer a few questions and off the back of that, we might say, hey, you know, Kenneth, you've got home insurance, but maybe you don't have content insurance. And, you know, and then we, we've created a, a, a pretty cool experience for people to go through and understand a little bit more about what this content insurance, how much content insurance should I be thinking about? So there's a calculator there to say, hey, how much are my valuables potentially worth? And, you know, what sort of cover should I be looking for? And, and off the back of that, actually, um, customers have been asked is, hey, can you help me to find a cover that could be good for me? Yeah. And so we've then developed this, um, feature called market scan um, Kenneth was, which is essentially is kind of this benchmarking comparison tool um, where rather that you know from customers perspective rather than going off to three four five different insurance companies and doing a quote for each and answering the same set of questions you know kind of repeatedly and trying to figure out hey is this insurer better in terms of the policy or is that insurer better we essentially consolidate that and bring it all together on one screen so as a consumer you can say hey you know there's four options here that you've brought back to me and these are the prices um but more than that they're able to kind of see um, and compare the benefits really quickly to say insurer a might have you know um a cover for for this specific thing, whereas insurer B doesn't have a cover for you know um, this. So an example could be um, you know on your um, say for example your content insurance policy, um, you know insurer A might not cover you for you know might not have a pet benefit, but insurer B actually has a pet benefit built into um, the policy wording. So um, and, and obviously you're a lawyer by training, and you, yes. you you're probably one of the few that might actually go read the whole policy document and try and understand. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, one of the very um, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the the differences there, Kenneth. But um, most people probably won't go to that level. So um, Quash essentially just makes that experience a lot easier for them. Um, yeah, and, and kind of bring it all together um, on a digital platform, whether it's your phone or your laptop or your tablet, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at your dashboard, and and it looks um very like really nicely presented. 
Um, <laughs> and I think uh, in, in our, our day and age, presenting information in an easy to understand format um, is very, very important. Um, it helps yeah. consumers. And I, I've got friends who, like you said, they have different insurance policies with different people and they don't actually know what they're covered for. Um, yeah. I was having a conversation with my friend lately and he um, he didn't really know how much is covered in terms of life insurance. Yeah. Uh, so because the policies are kind of all over the place, so I, th- I think I think this is a really awesome service that helps people um, at a at a you know, being able to understand their risk um, very yeah. clearly uh, from an overview. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Kenneth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a fantastic service. Now, what are some of the challenges you faced in the early days of starting Quashed? Yeah, there's. I mean. When I look back at the journey, it's like, wow, how do we overcome all these challenges? But, um, but when I was, you know, um, thinking about it, I think the key ones that, you know, kind of stuck out was really, so I, I'm not a software developer or an engineer by training, or I don't have that kind of, you know, skill set. And so, um, one thing very early on that I kind of ran into was, you know, I've got this idea about how this could work from a product perspective and design perspective, but um, how am I actually going to bring this to life? Um, and so that was definitely one of the key challenges that I faced early on. So not being able to code. Um, I did, I, I did consider, you know, picking up coding and I started, you know, um, on free code cam, I believe, and, right. and, um, did quite a few modules there and it was all good fun. And, you know, but I thought, Hey, you know, the, the scale at which, you know, I need to develop and the speed at which I actually need to develop this massive platform was going to take me a long time to get up to that kind of proficiency. So um, that was, you know, finding the right person that could kind of come on as a co-founder um, to help me build this platform was definitely one of, you know, the key challenge there. And um, But then that led me to my second challenge, which was, you know, ha- hiring someone or bringing someone on um, was going to be really, really expensive and, you know, especially yeah. software engineers these days. Uh, yeah. So, so that, that, that was really the second challenge going, hey, I don't have money, so how am I going to, you know, do this? And, and um, and yeah, I think overarching, you know, those two kind of key problems early on was really this mental kind of, you know, challenge mentally rather that, you know, are there all these obstacles, you know, um, can I kind of surmount them or are they going to be really difficult? But, you know, thankfully, um, I managed to bring on sort of the right co-founders that were software engineers. Um, Kenneth and um, and and also we managed to you know be able to get um, raise raise our pre seed um, funding round um, that allowed us to hire a few more people that you know could could sort of round us up in terms of the skills that we didn't have they could yeah. really lend their expertise to the business that that really helped us to overcome some of these challenges um, essentially so yeah those were kind of the key things early on but I think you mentioned you're a software engineer uh, by by yeah in a, in a former got, life. <laughs> yeah, maybe if I met you beforehand, um, yeah, I would have managed to convince you to come on this journey with us. Yeah, know? maybe, maybe so. I wouldn't be a lawyer in <laughs> <laughs> the podcast with you. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so what do you see as the greatest risk to your business going forward, and how do you mm. uh, go about managing that risk? Yeah, that's. I mean, it's constantly a. You know, when when it comes to risk, I think it's constantly evolving at different points in the business. Um, the, at, at this immediate stage, I think um, the key, you know, one of the key risks is um, just 
you know, as a startup, there's always so many things to do or so many things that we want to do. Um, so one of the key risks that we, we actually we, we pose to ourselves is just taking on too much and, and, and not being focused enough on delivering on the things that um, really matter um, right. in this moment. And so I would say, you know, um, that, to, to be honest, is, is, is a key risk. And as we bring on more people as well into the business, I think another key risk is that um, people, you know, not not getting the team all aligned on where you're going because that can easily start going off tangent um, and, and, and people might, you know, with a small team, you need everyone kind of going in the same direction. And so um, hiring the right people that understand and believe, you know, the same thing around what the vision is and what we're really pursuing. Right. I think that's super, super important. Um, and yeah, so yeah, those are probably the two kind of key risks that I see at the moment. Um, right, kind of. right. So, so how do you, how do you go about managing your employees and to ensure everyone is kind of going in the right direction? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think I think we we do a few practical things yeah. um, to to keep us all aligned. So one thing that we do, well, a few things that we do. One is that we set quarterly OKRs, so objective key results. Yeah. Um, we set that on a quarterly basis and say, hey guys, this for the next three months, this is what we're headed towards. So give them a sort of a high level sort of goal and direction to say this is where we're going. Um, but on a sort of you know, weekly basis, we, we track our performance and seeing how we're tracking towards those OKRs that, that we've set for the quarter. Um, but then on a daily basis, we actually do a stand-up as a team. So every morning, um, we check in for 15 minutes, just talk about what we're going to do for the day and, you know, if there are any challenges or if we need any help from anyone else on the team. So we, we keep it quite tight that way. And at the moment, it's still not, not, not a massive team. It's under 10 people. So that's still quite practical. Um, for us in terms of um, setting us up, you know, that way to get everyone rowing in the same, you know, going in the same um, direction and um, even with, you know, certain tools as well that we use, for example, like yeah. DevOps, um, we're able to, you know, have everyone be really clear what their backlog items are or what their, you know, what are the key pieces of work they're working on. So we can, at any one point in time, we can track and say, hey, you know, um, this person's working on, um, you know, this and how does this feed into the direction that we're going in? So um, it makes it quite clear that way. Um, right. Right. Yeah. So all, all of your uh, employees are based in New Zealand. So all your developers are New Zealand based. Yeah, yeah, that's right. At the moment, um, we have actually leaned on a couple of for, for smaller pieces of work where we can actually carve out. We've actually used some external overseas parties for um, just different bits and pieces, like creating um, videos and you know some some a little bit of code as well. Right. Um, but then we integrate that back into the wider platform. But yeah. Predominantly, I would say ninety percent of the work all gets done in New Zealand itself. Right, yeah. right. Why did you decide to um, kind of use developers in New Zealand as opposed to outsourcing de- development overseas? Yeah, I think. Well, the first thing is probably because my co-founders are um, developers themselves, so um, I rely heavily on them. But, but I think secondly as well, I, I have worked with kind of offshore teams, and it's not it's not impossible. And in some in some cases, actually, it works pretty well. But um, there, there are definitely challenges. Um, um, you know, potentially sometimes it's time zones or or just you know language and um, yeah, just proficiency, capability, and, and understanding of you know what they can do versus um, you know, and, and and so you know, I think having 
most of our developers here in New Zealand um, and development work getting done here makes it really easy for us to just run a lot quicker with less kind of um, maybe obstacles as well, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you, um, especially because uh, technology is, the, is the, at the heart of your business. Um, yeah. And I, I think it makes sense not to outsource your, your key uh, core competency uh, yeah. overseas. So what, what kind of culture exists in your, in, in your company and uh, how did you go about uh, establishing that type of culture? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think, you know, I've read a lot about like being intentional about creating culture and um, that sometimes it's definitely, you know, there's some days where I feel like it does get lost. <laughs> but, but I think, you know, at its core, what we always aim to be is really transparent. So I think we've kind of built that culture into not just, you know, this, it's definitely from the company, but also what we've tried to do on the platform for customers, yeah. like just, you know, the idea of having all your insurance information really transparent so people know exactly what they have, what they don't have, what they're paying and, and all that. So we've also built that into our culture going, hey, we really want transparency around people just communicating and just, you know, just being really clear and upfront around expectations and um and just, I guess, in terms of culture as well, adding to that around transparency, it's being able to really just, you know, just say what 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 you think, um, communicating it in a way where you know um, we 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 take um, people's feedback and, and and everyone in the teams, you know, their their, their suggestions um, important. Uh, it's really important to us. So you know, we, we we've got sort of a retrospective every fortnight where we come together and say, hey, what have we done well, you know, in the last two weeks or what what didn't go so well and how can we do better? So it ties back into kind of that transparency piece, um, but just, you know, really just valuing kind of honest feedback um, amongst ourselves and, and just taking it as, you know, if there are areas to work on, it's not so much an attack, um, but it's just really being able to go, hey, how do we encourage one another or how do we um, be able to find one another's blind spots and, and, and just saying, hey, maybe we can be doing something better um, to, to, to really build us up as a team. So I think, you know, transparency and kind of that honesty um feedback um, really, really is built onto, you know, um, the core of the company. I'd say those are kind of um, two things. And then maybe the third thing uh, around culture is that I think we, we do expect, you know, people that we bring on, we do expect um, quite a lot from um, people that come into the team. And, and I think we're quite protective around um, who we bring into the team. Um, but in turn as well, um, Kenneth, we, we do um, we, we do ask that people that come into the team do expect quite a lot from us as well, you know, the original founders and, and, and leaders, I guess. Um, so I guess it's a two-way street, really, yeah. <laughs> of that. So. What's your uh, strategy towards recruitment? So how, how do you assess um, whether a person is right fit for the team? Yeah, I think that was definitely part of the learning curve this year where we've actually had to make a few hires. Yes. Um, so it's, there's nothing like kind of firsthand going through multiple interviews and, and, and really getting a sense for whether that person um, is right in terms of like, you know, can we click with that person in the first place? Because I think, you know, technically if, if they tick all the boxes and they're really strong, but if they can't communicate and, and you don't feel like you're able to really communicate well with them, then that's, that's, gonna, that's like a red flag for us. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think what we do tend to do was that, you know, once we find someone that we think is quite a good fit, we try and bring them in to talk to the rest of the team as well and just engage. Um, so I think it works both ways. So it's really good for us to be able to get a sense for the team to get a sense of that person that we're 
potentially bringing on, but also it's really fair to the person that's coming on um, to say, hey, I've just not met this one person, which is the founder, but actually um, he seems like I can get along, you know, it seems like I can get along with him, but what about the rest of the team that I've got to work with um, on a daily basis? So it's also good for the potential candidate to go, hey, you know, can I actually work well with the rest of the um, with the team? So, um, yeah, at the stage again, you know, we're, we're not, a, a massive company so um, we've got that luxury of being able to do that and I think that's something that um, you know um, yeah it's really really helpful for us in terms of finding the right person yeah. Um, yeah. to come on yeah yeah, um, yeah because uh, the, you're a small company at the moment actually hiring yeah. is, is, is really important right getting, yeah. getting that wrong can have uh, quite um, yeah. I guess um, severe consequences and and Kenneth, I understand that you recently also hired someone, or um, and so what, what was that? Maybe if we can ask you that good question, what was that like for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think um, yeah. So I'm a you know, small boutique uh, law firm where we are doing well, we're growing. Yeah, yeah. Recru- recruitment is. I think it's it's uh, it's always a challenge. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I think uh, interviews is the the kind of traditional way of doing it. But I, yeah. I am thinking about, um, in addition to interviews, of maybe yeah. establishing some sort of test. Um, but it is not just like a test like back in university, but a, a test try to assess uh, someone's, um, I guess, um, uh, practical acumen and uh, attention to detail. So I'm actually in the process of trying to design something like that for my next hire. So that rather oh, than nice. just relying purely on my impression, which I can get, I, it can be really wrong sometimes yeah. Um, yeah. but to, to try to have some sort of um, quantitative assessment uh, of someone yeah because yeah, I'm thinking really with, yeah because I'm yeah. thinking with you it might be easier because you can just ask them hey show me your code right show me yeah. what you've done show me how you've coded you know is it is, yeah. it, is, it, is a beautiful code and what have yeah. you done in the past so you can ask your employees yeah. to actually show you the work yeah. lawyers is I don't yeah. know it's a bit tricky sometimes um, <laughs> you can say oh, show me the contract you've drafted but then yeah, us lawyers when we draft contracts, we kind of pull stuff from from everywhere, so yeah. it's still hard to assess whether that person did the whole thing or maybe they just yeah. did a tiny bit of it. Um, Understand? Yeah, but yeah, an objective kind of measure or overlay on top of you know um, the impression thing definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. My, my impressions can be wrong, as I've I've found <laughs> out in the hard uh, hard way. <laughs> <laughs> we learn from all those, don't we? That's right. <laughs> Um, hey, so a question about um, remote work. So obviously, because of the pandemic, where everybody was forced to work remotely for a period of time. Yeah. What's your philosophy towards remote work? Uh, since you know you, you're a, high, a tech firm, um, yeah. are you guys back in the office now, or are you guys still uh, working remotely? No, we're still remote, actually. Um, so it's not looking likely we'll be back in the office too early next year, and. Um, and actually, we've got we've just hired a couple of people, and one of them works out of Christchurch. So, um, uh, I yeah. think this remote work is it's going quite well for us so far. Yeah. Um, but I think we we do have a few uh, people in the team as well that 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 is missing that sort of face to face interaction, um, which you know I think a, you know a couple of days a week in the office together um, kind of makes a lot of sense. Like, yes. I think um, we've 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 learning 
grown a lot. I think it helped as well, though, that when, when I obviously started and had to bring on the first few, um, you know, extra pair of hands, obviously they were not full-time hires because we, we didn't have the resource then um, to do that. But so I was always, you know, I was always kind of using like, you know, platforms like Upwork and things like that to find, you know, um, some of the talent that we needed, whether it's designers or content writers or things like that. So from the get-go, I guess I was quite comfortable with that kind of remote work um, philosophy or, or setup. And so... I think it's just, you know, as we grow, um, can we sort of keep to that or do we need some sort of hybrid sort of approach where, you know, we get together um, every so often, but, you know, um, there's still the flexibility to kind of, yeah, take advantage of not being stuck in traffic or being able to work from different places. I think that's, um, that's how we attract talent as well, I think, um, in, in, in this day and age. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I'm a firm believer in remote work. Um, yeah. Just with technology nowadays, it, it kind of doesn't make much difference whether yeah. the person is in Christchurch or um, sitting right next to you. Uh, so I'm a yeah. believer, but I, I also agree that probably a hybrid yeah. model is is um, yeah. is what I'm thinking because there are people uh, at times yeah. when we need that face to face connection as well. Mm-hmm. So giving our teams the flexibility uh, to have yeah. that f- uh, hybrid work um, arrangement, I think that would be. Um, I think it's 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 good for the for the company. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah. So, uh, Justin, how did you build your customer base? Um, great question. I would say the first one hundred um, customers, we literally just tapped on our own networks. Um, had so many coffees over a period of a few months, um, yes. and that was still when you know the platform was still quite. Um, quite new and you know um, it's definitely not not looking as flash as, as what it is now so back then it was really about getting in front of as many people as we could um, just so we can see you know how people are interacting what else that they want um, you know from the platform and so I would say the first hundred customers we had on the platform was really just going out there and talking to everyone we knew in our network um, that was willing to give us some time um, and yeah just engaging them um, that was the first kind of hundred and then I would say the second hundred was just through um, just being a part of different events you know there's there's um, different sort of you know startup events and boot camps and things like that that you can kind of get some exposure and publicity from and so we participated in a few of those and that gave us um, some exposure um, for the next kind of say couple of hundred um, customers um, and then through that time, we were we, we, we were then starting to build an understanding of what customers wanted. And so we could start running some ads as well, you know, at, at that same time on Facebook and on Google and things like that. So that, that also, you know, brought in customers for us. But um, in, in terms of what really helped, you know, to take, you know, really take our customer base to, the, to, to that kind of next level, you know, a few hundred customers, a few thousand customers was definitely kind of that national exposure piece. Um, so we were picked up in the um, a, a few newspapers earlier in this year, um, nice. the, the Herald and, um, yeah, a few others and um, Radio New Zealand and Business Desk. And um, that, that gave us our first kind of big exposure. So um, that, that really helped in terms of a boost. Um, so that, that was when we really felt, oh, well, you know, this is real. Like we just had customers really just flooding the platform um, for a good few weeks. And so that, that, that helped us grow um, really quickly. Um, and then since then, it's just been, you know, leveraging our existing customer base. You know, how do we um, get people talking about us, the great things that we're doing and, you know, the benefits that they're getting from the platform. And then, yeah, yeah 
I'm really hoping and I guess praying that um, they're, they're willing to share and talk about it. And um, um, But partnerships and even podcasts like this, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah, we're, we're, we're thankful for sort of any exposure that we can get to talk about what we've done and, and, and the journey that we're going on. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how we, we've gone about building our first um, few thousand customers on the platform. Uh, you know? yeah. do, do you have any plans of um, kind of marketing campaigns or, or is it more organic growth uh, strategy? Uh, yeah, I think it's always got to be hand in hand. Like, yeah. uh, it's always got to be both organic and, and at the same time, I think, I think that there are things out there, you know, leveraging different channels to paid channels, whether it's Facebook, Google, um, LinkedIn or, or other partnerships, um, that we can, we can do. So I think those two always work in tandem and, um, and that's the best way, uh, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have you thought about creating content, free content? Uh, yeah, we uh, we we have so we we write a whole lot of blogs around oh, insurance. So, yes. uh, yeah, and so off the back of that, when people are searching different things, yes, um, yes. Kenneth, um, yeah, writing that is really powerful. So um, we've actually learned so much about yeah creating content and content pillars, and um, you know just understanding what's core to the business and the proposition, and then yeah, just finding you know, how do you add value to your customers yes. um, through through blogs and articles and, you know, interviews and um, YouTube videos and things like that. So definitely, you know, um, creating content is definitely a big piece there. Do you have any tips for us, um, Kenneth, on that? Oh, I, 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 um, I don't really, I mean, I think, yeah, I was just thinking that, uh, now looking at your blog, it's, um, it's quite yeah. very informative. Um, yeah, I think, I think nowadays for small businesses, uh, creating content is, is a good way to gain that exposure. Um, yeah. my problem is that I'm just so busy <laughs> that yeah. to create content. Um, I really have to, I have to be disciplined and schedule time to, to create mm. content. Um, so I think, I think for me, that's probably the best, the biggest challenge is to, is to have that discipline and, 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 and continue to create content that adds value to our um, customers and listeners. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. And, and, and so I think one thing that I did start to do was um, really come up with the content-like topics and, you know, the bones of it. And, and, and then also we've brought in a content writer that can help to take, you know, those key bits and yeah, sort of nice. build it out a bit more and do a bit more research um, to create it into the final articles, um, the final content pieces. So yeah. um, that's something that we've, we've kind of done over over time. But I completely agree, you know, it's hard to <laughs> uh, work so much on the discipline and um, just, you know, finding the time to kind of, um, do it because it does take quite a bit of time to create a really good content that's for sure yeah um hey justin last question so if yeah, somebody sure. out there um, wants to start their own business what would yeah. your advice be to a uh, potential entrepreneur yeah um I think, you know, by no means do I think I'm a successful entrepreneur yet and they're able to, you know, what that would be. But but I would say maybe three things that come to mind, um, Kenneth, that I've also observed through, you know, other successful entrepreneurs. uh, I think the three key things for me are curiosity. So just being really curious and asking questions all the time around, you know, if you've got an idea, like really dig into it and and, and ask as many people questions as possible because that's the best way to learn about, you know, firstly validate the things that you think are true and then secondly, um, you know, find out about things that you don't actually know about. So, um, and that actually sets you up really well for success, I think, um, curiosity. Um, and then the second one is, is probably courage. 
um, you know, being an entrepreneur, a lot of times you've got to do things that you're not comfortable with um, or you've never done before. And, and a big part of it, like for me, I've never really kind of done sales, um, but just having to put myself out there and, you know, even talking to testing ideas, right? It's constantly selling, you know, um, whether, 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 whether we know it or not, um, we're always kind of selling. And so um, just having that kind of courage to go, hey, I've never done this before, but I can probably Google and learn about something um, pretty quickly and then taking those lessons um, and yeah. going, okay, you know, I'm not going to be the, 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 the you know um, the subject matter expert on this, but at least can get started on it um, and 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 take that next step. So I think it's that courage to um, step out, um, if you will, of, of of the of the boat, and and also um, having the courage to fail because you know oftentimes you know that initial idea or or a hypothesis might not be right, but it's okay to be wrong, and so um, you know not getting too hung up on that. So I think you know it definitely takes a bit of um, courage there and then um and then maybe the third thing that kind of also ties into that last point around being willing to fail is that 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 humility i think um just being comfortable with going hey you know i don't know know at all and i do make bad decisions at at different points in time um so having that humility to recognize that you know people might be better um at certain things or they might know things that you don't or that i definitely don't and so i think um Sometimes it's not easy, um, but I think it's all part of that journey to being an entrepreneur and being a successful one, I think. Um, those are probably curiosity, courage, and humility, um, I think, are the three things that kind of come to mind, um, Kenneth. Yeah, yeah no, I, I totally agree with you in, in terms of um, really just uh, having that courage. I have a, uh, another entrepreneur, a friend of mine, yeah. he said, um, uh, always uh, shoot and then aim. Right, so I think I think that's there's a lot of truth in that, right? Sometimes we overanalyze. Um, I I tend to overanalyze things, and so I think uh, his advice is I thought it's very consistent with yours is to actually just yeah. take a stab at it, um, and then yeah. you look at the outcome, and then you can adjust, right? So shoot mm. uh, in their name. Right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so hey, Justin, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed um, just learning from you. I hope to have this opportunity to have a chat with you again in the future. No, thank you so much, Kenneth. And um, yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Justin. Thank you.